From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Juno Emergency Programs Manager Tom Matisse provided an update on the Gasno Avenue landslide. He spoke to News of the North yesterday afternoon. We had a channelized landslide up off Gasno Avenue that affected three homes and the street, uh, essentially closing the end of Gasno Avenue to public transportation and um, definitely damaging those three homes. Uh, it's channelized. It's not a region-wide danger, although we do have landslide areas everywhere. This is channelized to one particular gorge. So we've got a small area evacuated, and we've lost power to the end of the road. Um, AELMP is working to restore power into the area as closely as possible. We have DOT geologists and hydrologists uh, doing hazard assessment up on the slopes with people from Capital City Fire and Rescue. We're mobilizing crews to get ready to start working on debris management at the bottom. Um, we're going to maintain a small evacuation area. Uh, around the affected area until we get some of the cleanup work done. Uh, but in general, most of the area is back open. Matisse said chances of additional slides are always a concern. There's always a chance of additional slides on the fringes of a slide that recently occurred, as, especially as we go into heavier rains again over the weekend. So we're, we're trying to do assessments. We're trying to get crews in as quick as possible to get the mess cleaned up and get the area opened up as soon as possible. Uh, if we get it done before the big rains this weekend, that'll be great. Uh, if not, we'll be reassessing our hazard levels throughout those rain events. And because of additional increased hazard with high rains, um, it may slow things through the weekend but we're putting a big stab into it to try and get things cleaned up as much as we can between now and the big, next big storm system. And Matisse said this is what's happening today. Wednesday is going to be safety assessments in the morning, trying to get crews on the ground as quick as we can. A lot of that has to do with the secondary safety assessments that are occurring this afternoon. So if we find out that things are looking good, we'll be getting into the debris removal right away tomorrow morning. Um, if we find out there's a significant remaining hazard, we'll be reevaluating. Residents impacted by the slide in need of support services are encouraged to contact Matisse at 907 209 9207. The Red Cross is supporting residents impacted by the slide. CCFR Assistant Chief Ed Quino spoke to News of the North about Monday evening's landslide. He explained CCFR's response just after 6 p.m. We responded with our, our units. We got up there, and it was a mudslide, uh, mostly vegetation, um, not much soil. It was fortunate the mudslide occurred between two houses. It did hit a house behind another house, and people were in there, but they were able to evacuate without any problem. Um, there was nobody else in another house that it damaged. Um, there was, it was unoccupied, so it was fortunate the slide between, ended up between two houses, and nobody was injured at all, uh, and nobody trapped. But they did do some damages to some houses, at least three houses that we know of, and a couple of parked cars. Quinto said CCFR barricaded the area and went door-to-door to alert residents. We were able to go up there, and everybody, we were able to determine nobody was injured, and we just cordoned off the area, uh, put some barricades up, advised people to leave their home and to uh, you know, stay away till we determine what's going on. This morning, we, got, we have a couple of geologists to evaluate the area and determine what our next step will be. CACFR advised some residents to evacuate the area. Some were assisted by the Red Cross. So about the 100 block of the area, but uh, we evaluated about half a block on either side of the slide. So 
we went door to door, knocking on the door, telling people, please evacuate if they, uh, we couldn't force them, but we advised them they should evacuate. And a lot of people found housing on their own, and others, they were assisted by the Red Cross. Quinto explained what Red Cross did to assist. Provided housing to those that needed, they couldn't find any housing. So I, I, I believe they were taken to some shelter or to uh, some housing, uh, like the hotel or something like that. So. CCFR Assistant Fire Chief Ed Quinto. Juno Assembly Committees also supported other moves to enhance property acquisitions and other matters Monday night. That's according to Mayor Beth Weldon. The Lands Housing and Economic Development uh, met last night and they moved forward the Hanson Grass application to purchase property and the Talk to Terrorist Association's request to purchase property. Um, the ordinance related to City and Borough of Juno Land Management Plan um, that the docks and the harbors, we put um, information on that or added amendments on that, I should say, was held in committee, so that will stay in the land committee. And then the ordinance authorizing an alternative procurement method related to the emergency department um, had a minor change uh, to the $1.5 million. It got switched to $1.4 million until they got their certificate of need, and that moved to the special assembly where it passed. Weldon said the assembly made these moves as well, and the Glory Hall will receive a grant regarding its property taxes. In the assembly meeting, we authorized the manager to convey approximately one acre of CN Borough of Gin Land to um, Chelsea and Brian Mahler at, uh, by Fritz Cove Road, and that's so they could build a road to get to their property that was not too steep. Um, and then... We also uh, passed the ordinance appropriating 12000 12, I should say, to the manager for a grant to the Glory Hall, um, and this is for their property tax. Um, as uh, it was a discussion about what the South Franklin Street building, why it was empty. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon. Authorities have said that the investigation into the death of a 55-year-old Juno woman is ongoing and that they have received many tips in the case. According to Juno Police, preliminary investigation reveals that the victim, Faith Rogers, was on a walk with three dogs on the Kukgu Inde, or Brotherhood Bridge Trail, when she was killed last Wednesday afternoon. Juno police officers and investigators continue to follow up on leads and new information as it is received. JPD said officers are working around the clock on this evolving criminal investigation. A man convicted in a rape and murder that went unsolved for more than two decades in Alaska has been sentenced to 75 years in prison. The killing of 20-year-old Sophie Sergi in 93 at a University of Fairbanks dorm stymied investigators for years until a DNA match using genetic genealogy tracing led police to Stephen Downs in Auburn, Maine. Downs, now 48, was a freshman in 1993 and lived in the dorm where Sergi was found dead. Downs was sentenced Monday and will be eligible for parole in 25 years. Retired Alaska State Trooper Lieutenant Lonnie Pascoya has returned to the Alaska Department of Public Safety to lead the department's Missing or and Murdered Indigenous Persons Initiative. Pascoya will lead the department's outreach efforts for the initiative and will assist the Alaska Bureau of Investigation with both active and cold case murder and missing person cases involving Alaska Natives. Pescoya joined the ranks of the state troopers in 1993. During his career, he patrolled in Fairbanks, Galena, Interior Alaska, Southeast, and Ketchikan. 
Peskoya will take over the role of, of MMIP investigator from retired Alaska State Trooper Ann Sears, who decided to return to retirement. Peskoya's first day was on the 19th. The Alaska delegation is urging President Joe Biden to waive the state's cost share for Western Alaska disaster. Following last week's federal major disaster declaration to support Western Alaska's recovery from the impact of Typhoon Murbach, U.S. Senators Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan, as well as Representative Mary Peltola and Governor Mike Dunleavy, are urging President Biden to waive 100% of the state's cost share for federal, individual, and public assistance for recovery efforts for 30 days, citing the cost as too great to cover with currently available resources. According to a press release, this would mirror the FEMA arrangement for the ongoing disaster in Puerto Rico. The Juneau Economic Development Council presented the results of their 2022 Legislative Satisfaction Survey during a chamber luncheon. JEDC partners with the Alaska Committee to survey all elected officials and staff about their satisfaction with Juneau and its amenities. 124 responses were received, providing an overall response rate of 47%. Holst said housing was a top concern, as well as where they stay. In 2022, we're seeing fewer long-term rentals for people living in the, in, the, in the session, more motels, and greater use of Airbnbs. We're seeing that similar, not too dissimilar, with the with legislators. What is happening is housing is harder and harder for staff and legislators to find during, during the session. We also asked about where they are living. The preference for both staff and legislators is to be in the downtown core. That's the preference. And what we're seeing is that over time, there are more people being pushed out into either the the Great Island of Douglas, which, no no offense there, Lemon Creek. It's not that people don't like those parts of town. It's that they would rather be downtown. Respondents were asked, what can Juno do to improve parking downtown? The, the most common comment, of course, well, not of course, but the most common comment is more parking. I think it's a, it's a function of being forced to live outside of the downtown area. So more people are being forced to live outside. Also compounds the, makes it that you want to have more parking um, available to you. But also issues around parking were, that were mentioned, this was a free response. People mentioned better snow removal, shuttles. Those were issues that were related to the availability of parking. So parking continues to be a, a strong concern of legislators and the visitors. Holst says safety was a top concern in the 2018 survey. This year, it was not. In 2018, one of the elements of Juno that was the most disliked by our legislators and their staff was the sense of safety downtown. And that was a huge concern for all of us in, in 2018. The survey this year puts safety. It is it has now become an issue right in the middle of the pack. So we're not saying that people have, no longer have any concerns about their safety um, downtown, but it does appear that actions that have been taken by our community to address uh, some of the vagrancy issues, uh, that, that lack of insecurity or lack of security or sense of insecurity downtown have diminished amongst legislators and their staff. So that's, that is some positive uh, improvement for our community. JEDC's Brian Holst. The Juneau School Child Care Program Rally is at capacity. Superintendent Bridget Weiss with that word on Action Line. 
I'm happy to report that we are at capacity in rally. And so um, we have rally right now at four of our elementary schools and we're at capacity. We have a waiting list. Um, we're working on staffing that. So speaking of job opportunities, uh, there's rally. We, there's rally. And as we are able to hire people, we'll start expanding rally. She spoke to how rally could be expanded. One is expanding it at a site that already exists and create more space. The other one is opening up a new space. So it would be a fifth place, uh, fifth elementary school for us. Um, and as soon as we have staffing, we're looking at expanding that. Um, and so that's really good news that we are, our program is meeting the needs of families. They're there and using it. Why said that the efforts of various entities in Juneau have made a difference. The efforts that our city assembly has made, our school district has made, um, some of our agencies like the Association of Young Education, uh, of Educating Young Children. Um, it, it is um, a real community effort here around child care and preschool learning, early childhood learning. Uh, and so we are able to offer preschool programming, as an example, through Kinder Ready because the city has stepped up. We have a state grant. Um, and and so the focus that the city has really embraced around those things and the district's efforts um, make a difference, a big difference for our for our children in the community. Juno Superintendent Bridget Weiss. A frightening find for parents. Children are being targeted by drug dealers with colorful pills known as rainbow fentanyl. They are produced to look like candy. ABC's Ike Ajachi reports from Washington, D.C. A stark warning from Attorney General Merrick Garland about the latest danger targeting children, rainbow fentanyl. is just as dangerous and just as deadly as other forms of fentanyl. On Tuesday, Garland announcing the results of a DEA investigation. It included nearly 400 investigations resulting in the seizure of more than 10 million fentanyl fake pills and 980 pounds of fentanyl powder, enough to kill 36 million Americans. Never miss a story or a newscast at KEINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.